it was pure learning pure that's why learning when people say oh learning is fun you know that wasn't true 13 years ago as much as it was this year learning was electric it was messy but every kid was doing their part in what they felt they can contribute toward a goal and it was helping one person i always had to remind them that how can you say no to that when a kid says invest in us you're not buying the mask you're buying you're investing in kids and and letting them see their true worth now know that our impact is greater than outside the four walls it's it's could affect the earth and so it was and they can calculate yes the effect on the earth words turn into thoughts and thoughts turn into actions my name is uh, jason whiting i teach at w erskine johnson in uh, canada north and i teach um grade four etfi so math and language You're listening to the OCDSB XL podcast, a podcast documenting stories of powerful learning in the Ottawa Carleton District School Board. I'm Cam Jones, your host. In the midst of the most disruptive period in public education in recent memory, Jason Whiting chose two paths that stand out as exceptional. First, reflecting upon his practice, he saw the urgency for more student agency. Second, with a little support and a little inspiration, he was willing to try something entirely new. What if, while learning grade four math and language, his students could help even just one person? It was a provocation both his students and he were willing to commit to. The result is made to help Ottawa, a social enterprise built and designed by nine-year-olds as the method and expression of learning, a business that focuses the learning on an audacious goal. In this episode of the XL Podcast, part two of my conversation with Jason, we get a behind-the-scenes look at an all-encompassing learning experience with a single goal, to help just one person. Along the way, Jason and his students discover that the idea of investing in ourselves, in our peers, and others is a phenomenal context for learning just about anything. The thing is, when just about anything is the framework for learning, there is an abundance of learning at your fingertips. In the case of Made to Help Ottawa, these grade four students extend their reach well beyond the walls of school, into the community and beyond, in an endeavor that travels light and ricochets like an echo so far beyond any curriculum expectations. It also sounds to me like you're having a lot of fun. Like you're having a lot of fun and the students are having a lot of fun. And I'm wondering if part of that is because it's almost like, what have you got to lose? You know, like for everyone. Exactly. I it, that, that took me a while though to get. And so I'm not, I don't want to promise to anyone like, you know, you're going to feel free and light every day. There was times and you, I talked to you and you had to like help me uh, get back and, and get some perspective on this. Um, but there were times, I'll give an example. And this, I love that you gave me. This was a game changer. When I think I remember I was complaining to you, I was like, okay, all the kids are coming at me and they're asking me questions all at the same time. They're they're coming all they're all over me. And like I don't I can't answer them. And I don't know if we're getting enough work done. And man, there's just so many fires to put out, and I'm only one human. And then you just calm me down and you said, Okay, how about this? And then you suggested saying, 
um, the reports and getting them to give a report, like instead of saying, Mr. Whiting, I don't know how to do this. Perfect. Great. Uh, how about, you know, you give me a report in front of the class of what, what you've done, what's worked, what's not working, and maybe an idea to what you think you could do to fix it and where you're stuck. And that, that, that word stuck, the kids loved because it was a word they understood and they could visualize it and it, it changed everything. And so once we introduced that, the kids were open to it. It was a game changer. First of all, I had less kids hunting me all over the class and I had more kids helping each other. And, you know, the, I remember the first report, I took a video of it and, you know, a girl did a PowerPoint presentation. I didn't ask her to do that. I said, guys, it doesn't have to be formal. She wanted to do it. PowerPoint presentation. She has visuals in there and it was very clear. And I was like, you know what? Like now it's like, why can't I reward her on her report card for her and her learning skills for showing initiative and on her oral presentation skills, her her media literacy skills because she's attracting, she knows she's talking to an audience of kids. So she she knows how to speak to them using pictures and everything. I'm like, and then she she ends up getting all these hands up, giving being able to answer the questions and I that I couldn't even answer in the first place. But all these kids gave suggestions and it was just like, you know, it's like a domino effect, and everyone's oh building on that idea and everything. So it went from something kind of negative because I was actually, I'll be honest, if I'm being honest, I was getting upset. And I was trying not to show it to the kids, but I was getting, I was, it was exhausting trying to put out these fires. And it turned that into something now is something I could use to mark them again if they were successful. And it was incredible. It was a, it was a game changer. So I know you, I went off on a tangent there, but to have why it was fun, it was because the kids were, were we were just exploring. We use that word a lot. It was okay, guys. Let's explore this or research. Or let's figure this out. Let's, you know, like making the prototypes. We made thirty-five prototypes. Thirty-five, Cameron. Like, yeah. And the best part is, I'll be honest. I put my own money at first. I was like, I'm doing this. I can't wait. I didn't tell anybody I was doing this. It was like, you know, I, my principal laughs about it now, but I didn't tell her. I didn't tell the vice president. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't want anyone to stop me. I just did it, even though they wouldn't have. They showed a lot of support. Um, and, you know, I put my own money into it. I ended up getting it back from the parent council because two two, two students um, petitioned on parent council during a parent council meeting on a Google Meet in both languages that I should get, we should get compensated for it. And I got my money back. So, and I didn't even expect them to do that. And I got a check just like a month ago uh, from the parent council supporting our initiative like incredible, you know? And so it just was like, it, it was fun maybe for lack of a better way of saying it. I don't know if this is what you're getting at, but we didn't know where we we're going um, every day um, to a point. But, and so the explore, it was, it was pure learning, pure. That's why learning when people say, oh, learning is fun. You know, that wasn't true 13 years ago as much as it was this year. Learning was electric and i think you know i have this great um audio video of this student in high school talking to me and 
she says, you know, if teachers would just let us do what we're capable of doing, and then she gets, and she's like, we are capable of so much more than they understand, and we're just bored. The students are a lot more capable than teachers usually give them credit for, even if they act really childish in class. It's usually because they're bored, because they can do so, so much more than they're allowed to do. So I think if teachers actually gave them the opportunity to show what they're capable of, I think they'll explore their full potential. Right, and so I, you know, you made this comment that like, well, you know, they're coming up with the solutions that I couldn't even have come up with. And, and you know, and I would say you probably could have, there's probably a backline master to, you know, to teach sure. some skill. But the difference is, is rather than being the person who holds all the problem solving and all the solutions, which is actually where the learning is. Yeah. Right. You're, you're getting to a position where you're like, all right. I can make this the learning and I can make this the learning and I can make this the learning students report to us and tell us what's going on and let's see if we can help each other. And what I love about that description is that if any adult listening to this podcast can pause for a second and reflect on their day today, that's what your day looked like. No one expects anyone to have all the answers. No one expects anyone to have everything, you know, tidy and order figured out already. And then, oh, look, perfect presentation, nothing to do here, you know. And yet in schools, we remove all of that process. We remove all the discrete roles that people can play in an end product and, and sort of, you know, do this really kind of trimmed down, perfect little setup that is absence of the process and to your point, the pure learning, right? And so, you know, what I loved about the process that you started using is you're leaning on the students to solve problems they've never even worked on before. And in doing so, they're coming up with ideas they never would have had the chance to come up with if they had to do a simulation on how do you uh, you know, how, how do you write a solid pitch to the parent council? Well, no, this isn't a simulation for real. Exactly. Let's pitch the parent council and see what happens. I love that. Like I, I, I'm big into coaching as well. And I coach soccer and, uh, I've done my coaching licenses all over the world. And so a big part of coaching, and I'll have to be honest here and controversial is coaching is harder than teaching coaching is harder than teaching because in coaching we're trying to get the players ready for a game and there's never one let's if we're talking about soccer or basketball any invasion sport there's never one pass that's the same ever 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 in the history of the world there's never been one pass that's been the exact same as another pass so why are coaches and you can translate this to teaching why are coaches um making isolated exercises where kids are not doing things based on the game or and if you go to teaching why are kids doing isolated activities in isolation sometimes when that's not true in the world they need for me to you know make a cold call uh, you know i want to practice it I, I i maybe talk to my wife and say okay well, how does this sound i gotta call these people what, what would you do it's it's 
it's real. And so we're doing real things because in the real world, you you know, you you have to do these things. I know it sounds like um it's like I'm I'm and talking in circles here, but I hope that makes sense. Like that's why didn't I realize that I knew this 10 years ago as a coach. I would never do a session where kids are doing, you know, passing uh without a defender. Because in a game, there's always a defender. So right. why 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 did I you know, so I wouldn't do that 10 years ago in coaching, but in school, you know, and I tried not to do it. I would tell people I'm not doing it, but this is this year making these masks selling these masks for real money to real people and trying to uh, uh to, to help real people and hear real stories um with real partners why wasn't i doing this before why why wasn't i like i didn't i didn't think we were allowed that's it i didn't think we were allowed until i heard that podcast really so you're, you're reminding me of another story you've told me that I'm hoping you'll tell here, which is the story about one of your students wanting to do a print job, which created a whole class review of the the carbon cost, the carbon footprint of the print job. Could you tell that story? Yeah. So um, we were thinking, okay, how do we, how are we going to package these and how are we going to give them out like so we have the masks we had the logos we got everything that that was painful we got everything we printing them you know putting the the wedge logos on them and then putting our own logos which all designed by students and created by students and we're like okay well how are we going to give these out it's covid okay well we'll we'll just put them in plastic bags and then when the word plastic came up, it triggered another kid. Well, we can't do plastic bags. It's, you know, it's not good for the environment. And then, well, well, what's, okay, what about the paper bags? And then, so then that got into a discussion like, well, what's worse? Well, then we got into the, the one kid said, well, I think you could look up the carbon footprint or something. Or, And so a group of kids started calculating the carbon footprint of our business. And... <laughs> And he calculated, so he he made a presentation to the class that if we do this, it's this amount of money that we have to pay to be net zero with our carbon footprint. And if we do this, this is what we have to pay. And just putting it in terms like that, first of all, the math involved in that, and just and then he oh, he's doing oral presentation oral presentations off the charts, by the way. And I never had to sit and listen to the same one twice. And as a teacher, this is a freedom from listening to those boring presentations, by the way, because this was real and this was affecting us. And so, yeah, he, he, we were able to like now know that our impact is greater than outside the four walls. It's, it's could affect the earth. And so it was, it, it was. And they can calculate the effect on the earth. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and, and I'm thinking, you know, like, Again, just so the listeners understand, we're talking about nine-year-olds yes. who are not only in the process of having this conversation flagging the the carbon uh, footprint issue, but then saying, I'm pretty sure we can figure out what that impact would be and what it would cost us by extension to make our business carbon neutral if that's actually one of our goals, right? And I'm just thinking like, 
you've got the communication piece going on. You've got the math piece going on. You've got environmental science going on, but not in, in a simulation way, right? Not in a, if you had this much of this and you wanted to offset, it's like, no, no, we have a real problem and we actually need to solve it. And it actually requires math. Yes. A hundred percent. I love that. And to be honest, even though I know that you saying that makes me see it again in that way. And and I'm so glad you brought that up because yeah, like, and, and, and having a budget, we created a budget, financial literacy. It's in our, to all these teachers worried about, you know, they were panicking and they still are. And I don't blame them. Like the new curriculum. It's like, well, guess what? Not only have we explored the new curriculum, we've lived the new curriculum. And I did not directly instruct it one day, not once. There was them learning it and actually teaching me and using uh, Google Sheets and creating charts and okay this is what happens if we sell it were 15 dollars. this is what happens when we sell 20 dollars. we're at a point where there was a big argument the principal wanted us to sell it for a certain price and then we want to sell it for a certain price and the principal actually um told us to do okay we'll calculate it and see the difference and we realized if we sold it at a, uh, the kids did, if at a, at a less price, even though we make less for the Canada food cupboard and the kids were bent on, they, they fell in love with the Canada food cupboard and they really wanted to help them. We heard a story of, a, you know, um, Caitlin Lalonde at uh, uh, Canada food cupboard. Uh, we did a podcast with her. That's another thing. We did a podcast with her. The kids did a podcast with her. They asked the questions, all of it. And, she was able to share a story of uh, of a gentleman who would get a turkey um, given to him every year from the Canada Food Cupboard, and he was a a new immigrant, and uh, he was just getting his uh, degrees accredited. So he was on about to get on his feet, but he just needed that little push, and that turkey, you know, helped him during Thanksgiving. And that not only that did that gentleman, um, you know, get over that hump and successful and. Now that gentleman gives back to the Canada Food Cupboard every year and he gives a turkey every single year. And so that resonated with the kids. That story was massive, a real story. And the kids, they wanted that. But so going back to the the, the pricing, they wanted to help as many people. So we were in an argument. We're like, well, if we sell it for less, we sell these masks for you know $15 instead of 20. We could be helping less people. But then we did the math and we figured out we did a focus group and we more people would have spent $15 on a mask than 20. And we did the math and we realized we, we would have got more money selling it at a just a, a slightly cheaper price. And so what what a trip that was because that that took four or five days. Okay. And maybe 10 years ago I would have spent one day on you know, ratio or rates or something like that. And, and maybe, but this was four days, deep learning, real, these kids, I doubt they'll ever forget that, that conversation. Like when they, if they come up with their, another business, they're going to realize, okay, well guys, I have experience. You know, if you sell it at a cheaper price, you could sell more and make more for more people. So yeah, it was, I, the, 
the amount of layers in this is insane. I never would have thought that we talk about that. Never. So, okay. The students have this business that they're developing. And I think one of the most interesting things, and we're going to put links to, to all the, the, um, made to help Ottawa, um, you know, the website and the, and the podcasts and, and the Instagram page and the Twitter page. But I think one of the things that I was really taken with really early on, I want to talk about the student work. Your students had defined roles that would, that would mimic a real business. They had defined roles, defined teams working on specific outcomes. Um, and I know this because we've talked about this, that these were all things that were designed by the students. It wasn't like, you know, Mr. Whiting creates the backline master for a social enterprise. And now the students, you know, fill their names in, in this, in this made up sheet, like the students are doing this work. So I guess what I'm wondering is, can you paint a picture for folks of what does the student work look like in this social enterprise that is made to help Ottawa? Like what are the students doing on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. Um, yeah. The students realized, well, we did some research on what some businesses, so, uh, and then we realized, okay, well, we probably need some people doing some things. Everyone can't just do one thing. Um, sometimes we did when it was the budget, everyone wanted to chip in on that and, and give their opinion, which was great. It was like a big board meeting where they're like stakeholders and they wanted to make sure the money was going in the right places. But, you know, yeah, we had the website group, these guys like now just to mention there, I, I I'm dealing with two separate classes of grade fours. So, um, basically it was mirrored on both sides. So my head was spinning. So I had, you know, two sets of a website crew that designed uh and and filled up an entire website with content we had content managers so people constantly writing and then sending it to the website people um so they can um fill put it on the page and so they were constantly the communication was off the charts and either through Google Docs, yeah, Google Docs, Google Sheet, everything. They were just like using that platform and but also like even just standing up and walking over and, and communicating and, and showing what's in their notebook and is this okay? So yeah, we had Twitter group. We had an Instagram group that had to pivot because we, we they stopped letting us use Instagram at school. So they had to pivot, which was great. Uh, we had one job. This was, um, this is one of my favorites. I don't know if I got to tell you this, but there was a girl who, you know, struggles um, with her identity in school. And I say that very carefully, not because not because I don't want to offend her, but because I actually think it's true. She doesn't see herself as a student sometimes. And so this helped her. She, I, I, I basically, I took a chance and I asked the class, um, you know, she doesn't have a, a job. Instagram's closed down. What do you guys suggest? And people, the kids, nine-year-olds saying, well, she's really good at troubleshooting. And I was like, you know what? You are really good at troubleshooting. And she loved that. She grew 20 inches, 20 inches. And she, she couldn't, 
she she loved hearing that about herself and it was genuine because kids don't lie i have three kids of my own if you ask them who do you like more mom or dad they'll always say mom right to my face right so i i know kids are, will be honest and so they they gave her this confidence and it was real they didn't lie to her and say oh you're the best writer she's not the best writer yet but she's an amazing troubleshooter so she, her job was troubleshooting whether it be um, helping kids figure out little bugs in in Google and how to bypass certain things. Um, and so I had to be creative. And this is where I was like, okay, if she's troubleshooting, this is where the teachers, if you're listening to this and you don't agree with this, you're lying. I'm going to call you out right now over a podcast. You're lying to me because I felt this and I was sweating. I was like, well, I, she's not going to be writing. And I always told the kids, how, what am I going to say to the principal, vice principal, they walk in the room and you guys aren't writing or doing math or, you know, or doing language. And I was like, so we need to, we need to keep rooted in the fact that we need to work, but you know, we, we're, we're still learning. And so we came up with this. She came up with creating a blog and journaling what she's done to help people. So she was writing every day and she had no idea and she hates writing. And, and it was fantastic. And then she would make a report. She was confident about report, uh, uh, troubleshooting. So she wasn't worried about making a presentation, but you ask her to make a presentation, uh, about, you know, elephants in grade four, she's not, she's not interested in elephants. So why would she, why would she want to make a presentation about elephants? So th there was a plethora of jobs. Some kids would, would change jobs. They would see what other kids are doing. They want to move. So there was, it was messy, but every kid was doing their part in what they felt they can contribute toward a goal. And it was helping one person. I always had to remind them that, remind them of that. And that drove them across the line. Sometimes they didn't want to do it. The business maybe you know. And I just want to point out, like that is the best definition of differentiation that I've ever heard, right? Every kid is figuring out what they can do to contribute to a larger goal, right? And, 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 you know, I'm a big believer in defining our terms and differentiation is a term that we've used way too loosely in education to mean almost nothing. And yet you've just defined it based on an experience with, with a perfect example of student learning, a student who her peers say her strength is to troubleshoot well, there's the contribution that I can make. And then how can we turn that contribution into something that, that, that can start to look a lot like, you know, evidence of learning? Well, what if you start to, to, you know, do this metacognition piece where you're reflecting on how you've helped different teams in, in a troubleshooting way, right? And what I love about that so much is that traditional differentiation would have been, we're going to do the elephant assignment. And if you don't want to write a poor report about uh, elephants, m maybe you could do a podcast about elephants. Or, or maybe um, if, you, if, if you don't want to do a podcast, you could differentiate about uh, different kinds of elephants. Or like, we don't, we don't differentiate the actual learning. And what, what, this, what this project so clearly illustrates is that not only can students differentiate for themselves, but their peers can differentiate for them as well. Right, this the, the capacity of students to say, our friend 
is so helpful when it comes to figuring out solutions to problems that we think that's the role that she should fill for the class. And how amazing is that to come from another kid? Like it just, you know, a compliment from an adult, expect it. A compliment from another student like that, and maybe students she's not really close with, I don't know, is incredible. Now, is she out of the, the woods? Is she the, like the perfect student? No, no. She's, she's got some work to do still. I just talked to with, with her mom this week. She's still got some work to do. But what if, uh, you know, what a foundation, what a game changer for her to propel her in, in going forward in grade five, six, seven, eight. Like she can draw back on this and go, no, no, I am, I'm good at this. Like, and when you have a shared project in place, one of the things that, you know, we've actually talked about collaboration on multiple fronts today, but it's, again, it's authentic collaboration. We have a shared goal that we're going to work towards. What strengths do you bring to this that you can contribute to make it a success is a whole lot different than we're going to form a group and do a think pair square. And it doesn't matter what your strengths are. Cause that's actually not what we're I doing right that. now. We're just doing we're just doing collaboration and it's like, no man, this is collaboration with purpose. You have a strength. We need it. Right. And it's just a different, it's, it's, it's a, it's a different way of understanding learning, which I think comes back to your earlier comment about creating the conditions for learning. Right. She may not be out of the woods just yet, Jason, but here's the thing that strikes me. This experience, you can't take it away from her. And so when you think about learning strategies, well, here's the one you refer to. Do you remember all the work? You have your own journal of all the times you helped others. How can we make this fit that? Amazing. You know? And and you know what to add on to that? The feedback is immediate. She got immediate feedback. It didn't take me two weeks to get back to her saying, oh, you know, nice work. You know, uh, you know even if it was, I had the objectives clearly put out there. It was immediate. Did she help someone? She saw it right in front of her. And the kids said, thank you. That was massive. You helped me. Mr. Whiting, she helped me unlock uh, this. And, and now we can po- post, uh, uh, I think it was a survey on Twitter. And, and so because we researched that you need an action, a call to action on Twitter to get more likes and viewers and followers and stuff and so she helped us facilitate that and that was a game changer for us like we celebrated that that was fun we had 28 followers or you know like she was a big part of that so she grew 10 inches and now her confidence and i I always goes back to this in teachers college and everyone probably in my teachers college class would roll their eyes at this but i remember watching a video about poker chips and you know, you, you, you can't take chances if you don't have any poker chips. Every time you get a compliment, though, you get poker chips. And so she she was, she had all the poker chips in the world that day. And so she was taking chances now in math when we're doing some, you know, a little bit of direct instruction on something. And she, is, she has poker chips from before. So she's, oh, I'll take a chance on that. Why not? Because so it was... And, and and with the direct feedback, one of my favorite stories is one of, one of the boys was trying to get a, um, I think a confirmation on a, oh, on a purchase that we made. 
And I said, okay, go ask the front, uh, front, front desk. And he was like, whoa. I was like, well, what, what are you worried about? He's like, well, you know, kind of nervous and, and, you know, know what to say. And it's like, okay, well, and we came up with this thing in the whole class with basically a rubric. Like if she gives you what you want right now, you get it right now. You probably get an A because it's unexpected that she can give you what you want right now because we knew it was kind of like out of our reach, but we needed to know we needed to get it moving. And it said a B it's expected that she's, she responds to you and says she's working on it. And then C is like, she doesn't even read it or whatever. He comes back flying and, and she said, she, she gave me an answer and then he reported back on, it. I forget what it was, but it was amazing. I was like, so the feedback is immediate with the, with, with things in, in this business. Like it's, I don't, I'm not trying to give them feedback two weeks later and hoping that they remember the concept. That's, that's too far away. Two weeks. It's right now. This, what, what experiential learning gives is feedback in the moment, in real life with re real people, real words that the kids understand. They see it and it's right in front of them. And it's, it's my job to sort of, make sure I remember all this and, and I'm jotting it down and I'm collecting all this information. And so I can remind them, Hey, remember? Yeah, you did this. Well, that's fantastic. Like, and now that feedback drives them to keep that in their long-term memory, keep that habit of knowing how to speak to someone, knowing how to write something because it worked, you know? And so I know I went off on a tangent there, but that I have to share because that I think teachers struggle with is is the um, assessment piece and and getting you know bringing books home to mark. Uh, I didn't bring one thing home. Why why am I bringing stuff home when I, I I'm marking? The kids aren't in front of me. They're not getting the feedback. The feedback is from for them, and we've always said that, but not many people practice that. And so it took me a while to get it, that. and so. I'm working like tirelessly at school because I'm making sure those kids hear the feedback and they're getting they're getting their the assessment that they deserve in that moment as much as possible. Do I get everything? Of course not. I'm human. But this experiential learning gave so many opportunities for me to catch them and someone else giving them feedback, not just me every right. two seconds. And feedback that matters. Yes. Right? Like it actually matters. And and when I say matters, to the person who, who who it should matter to, which is the student, the person who's learning. Right? So not like feedback where like you design something, I have to do something with it. I give it back to you and you determine whether or not I've done it right. And all the time it has nothing to do with me. It's all you. Right. And so I, I love what you're describing there because it's feedback that's actually relevant again to this larger goal of the social enterprise. But it also, it matters to me as a person, what you're telling me about what I'm doing, because it helps me improve and it helps me feel like I'm doing something useful. It's exactly that. And like, I didn't, I never saw it that way so much before. I, I would probably like give lip service to that. And if I'm talking with other teachers, like, yeah, that's important. But until doing this, you know, experiential learning and selling masks and getting money and and dealing with like visa and like visa, we had to deal with visa. The kids had to realize, wait, we have to pay visa? 
yeah, 3% fee. What? They went nuts. That was a week talking them off. Like, get guys, yeah, this is the real world. Now, their, their understanding of what a small business goes through, especially through COVID, they were like, whoa, so they lose 3% if they're using Visa? Yeah. And they, they either make you pay for that or they eat it themselves. And we, we agreed we were going to eat the costs. We had to. We had to eat the cost. We we're not going to put it on on on, on the the purchaser on the people buying the masks because we didn't want it to be fifteen dollars and forty seven cents. We wanted to be a clean fifteen dollars, and we were going to eat that cost. And and the kids learned. Like so, when we did the final tally, we're like, yeah, we made this much. And then someone's like, wait, wait, remember three percent? No, no, we could have helped another family. But we had to do visa because it was COVID. We want to deal with cash. And so reality checks all over the place. And the kids realized, and the kids, some kids were saying, oh, yeah, my dad has a small business. He has to do this all the time. And, we're, you know, those stories came up and we're like, so, yeah, you know, you get that convenience, but it's not free. It's not free. Someone's paying for that. So you, you just mentioned that they're getting feedback all the time, but not only from you, which I think is a really important thing. But I think it's also a really great segue into all the folks that you worked with. And I'm wondering if you could just, you know, share a couple of the the community partnerships that you that you had in place and, and what the what that looked like for students learning from folks who you know, who are, who are not educators, at least formally recognized as. Right? I would say 90% of the people we were like sort of partnered with or, you know, had uh, mentorship with were student uh, relationship. Like they coordinated those relationships. So getting the masks, we had to get masks. And we did a lot of research. We're going to design our own. No, we called so many places and said, you're better off just buying them wholesale from someone. So the kids found that out. That took weeks and I was panicking. I was like, I'm going to run out. Of, we're going to run out of time here. But I was like, you know what? Just do it. Listen to Cameron. Listen to Cameron as I'm shaking in my desk at, at school, <laughs> just shaking. Listen to Cameron. And so one kid comes to school one day and he says, um, I know someone who has a, a business on Etsy. And Etsy, for those people at home that don't know, it's a, it's sort of like an online market of, of homemade items. And, and they, they really are conscientious of the environment and, and uh, fair trade and all that stuff. And so I was like, what? I didn't believe it at first. Yeah. And so we got, we got a contact. We set up a meeting. We, and so at first, we knew that uh, instead of asking people for help, that didn't work. We did research on this because I was curious about this. I'm like, we just can't just ask someone for help. We asked for advice. And the kids realized asking for advice gets you more than asking for help. And that was like from like a, a Harvard um, um, sort of book that uh, we like or an article that we read online that asking for advice is better than asking for help. And so by the end of that meeting on 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 a Google Meet, with all these kids staring at this business owner who is Orbless, um, and I knew from Orbless, we ended up getting masks at cost. So instead of paying um, $13 or 13 plus tax for them, we're paying $6. 
and the kids were flying. That was our that was the biggest hurdle. And that that changed every that that propelled us into the stratosphere. And so that was kid driven, kid organized, kid questions. And one kid just you know kids are bold it's like nine years old saying well can we get them off you and i'm like i'm holding my head i'm like oh my gosh how awkward is this like she's staring at them like i'm like oh my god she's like sure but then one kid's like well we can't afford 13 dollars like okay how about seven or six and we end up at six or something and it was like wow uh i was blown away i didn't know how to deal with that she and and she was running through all the business costs and she was doing all the calculations i remember writing them on the board for just to record it as she was talking and the, some kids were recording it and and uh and so that that helped us kind of get an idea and so that was a new from orbless and then a, another one was um david thorne who's a, an mba from cornell uh who who i knew and i said okay listen you're this guy just when he the why i liked him is because he when he talks about things he can explain things so clearly and eloquently in the first go that to be honest he he, he should be a teacher um and so he 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 was willing to come on he, and he he planted some massive seeds in in in, in our business and so you know how do we start a business? He was like saying, okay, you got to be out there. You got to do Twitter, helping us with that, some tangible stuff that we, we started getting on. But he said, words are important. And this, I wrote down like this, the kids still say to this day, words turn into thoughts and thoughts turn into actions. And the kids, I remember looking around because I was blown away. The kids were like, whoa, so simple. yet so powerful. And that helped me. I told him, I, I like every time if I ever see him out, I'm going to buy his meals and drinks for the rest of his life because anytime kids, and look what happened with the kid, the Twitter we talked about, words turn into thoughts, thoughts turn to, turn to action. So our words are important. Our words are everything. And so as a language teacher, someone else saying that gives so much power to it. Of course, kids listen to their teachers, but it's like, you know, kids listen to their parents. But if someone other than the parent tells the kid what to do, it's it's worth millions, right? We know that. And so that that was massive. So getting different um, people from outside the four walls in the community that work in the community. We had another podcast expert that's an entrepreneur expert. Um, and, and she helped us sort of drive you know, to, you know, get our way through, muddle our way through things. And she echoed a lot of things that uh, David Thorne um, was saying. Like, uh, I'm trying to think, obviously, Caitlin from Canada Food Cupboard. Um, we had yourself on and, and uh, we had our principal come and chat with us. Oh, we had Mr. Uh, Kneebone, who has his own business where he screens labels onto shirts and different things so he he was able to do a workshop in the class and show the kids how to actually put um the labels our logos which were student made um and the made to help name was from the students and she made this design this logo and we went through focus groups and we chose that and we made it into a label an actual label and had to press it heat press it onto the mask which we failed 35 times 
35 times, Cameron. Like, I was like, oh boy, we're in, we're in trouble. But from, without that input from the outside community, and even with our, in our own community inside the school, we would have been lost. We, we still would, would, the mask wouldn't be ready right now. So the kids realized, yeah, that community engagement is not only vital, I think it's, it's the foundation of anything we, we did. Like, and so you've been saying, you know, getting beyond the wall, the four walls, beyond the walls of school. And I think, you know, I'd love for you just to talk about what does that look like? Right? Like, so you're talking, we're talking about community partners. That's beyond the walls of school. We're talking about all the community outreach focus groups that your students are doing. That's beyond the walls of school. And I'm wondering what comes back to the students as they share their learning, share their product, share their podcast, share their website out to the world. And, and how do they track that feedback? Like, what is that? I guess I'm just, who else is engaging with your students as they engage with the world? Yeah. Loads of people liking their, you know, tweets and uh, at one point uh, Instagram making comments back, connecting with other businesses, following them, them retweeting us because we're aligned with the same sort of mission statement. We actually made a mission statement as well. Um, and yeah. And so, yeah, we were getting feedback from obviously I'm trying to think in which ways it's a good question. I'm not sure if I'm, is there any, like, I'm trying to think of, uh, maybe we've covered it, right? I, like, I think I remember seeing a tweet where I was asked about the pricing and you mentioned that already, yeah, right? Yeah. But I was also asked about the design. Yes. Um, and I'm thinking students actually paying attention to feedback and you kind of, you talked about this with your, your, your friend who's the MBA. It's like to hear it from someone from the world is different than to hear it from me or my parents. Right. Yeah. And I'm just wondering as they reached out to the world, what did the world say and what did they take from that? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, just, I'm going to get this off out of my uh, head here because I think this contributes to it. I don't think it makes sense right away, but um, I, I I think Thorne uh, said, you know, it's not an people aren't buying the mask; they're buying they're they're investing in you, and the kids really that resonated with them, and they that created an instant connection with the community because they saw every reach reaching out by someone else as an investment in them. And I know it sounds cheesy, but I saw it. So they they would even use that in some of their pitches. They they I think you probably heard some say it like um using that phrase like you're investing in us, right? And so yeah. you know, when they're talking to Orbliss or they're talking to um you know uh you know uh, Mr. Kneebone, who, who like, they kind of pitched it saying like, can you help us? Like, this is an investment in us. This is, you know, we, we can't give you anything back right now. We're, we're not going to give you money just for helping us. We can't, we don't, we're, we're all our money is going towards helping people, but it's see it as an investment in us. And that 
resonated with not only obviously the community because how can you say no to that when a kid says invest in us but and that's what we phrased our, our our media literacy campaign our poster campaign invest in us invest in helping others you can't say no to that some people were mad about us charging even some teachers Cameron, we're mad that we're selling it for so much when we put it in a focus group. They're saying that's way too much. But when we phrase it as, well, are you against investing in, in youth? Are you in, against, this is not buying the mask. Sure, you're getting a mask that's quality, that's handmade, handmade in Ottawa. So cut our carbon footprint. Trust me, we did our research on that. This is not coming from across the water. It was... It's it's you're not buying the mask. You're buying. You're investing in kids and and letting them see their true worth. And as cheesy as it sounds, it was true. And it did. It it was an investment. There, no one's gonna get that money back right away. This is a, a seed planted into these kids, and hopefully they see themselves in you know campaigns when they're you know out of school or even still during school. Hopefully, and and creating ways to better our planet and that was one of our mission statements how can we use math and language in our business to make the world a better place beyond the four walls even if we help one person we bettered it and we did all the math you helped that one person they could help someone else it was like you know the pay it forward the classic thing and I think that's, I hope that's what you're getting at. I hope I'm answering the question like you wanted. I, I just, to me, that was massive. And that, could, that couldn't have come from me. I, I didn't see it that way at first. So I needed, having someone else say it, like we need more people connecting with our students because you alone, who are you? Who, are, who am I? Like I'm just, how can I you know make sure these kids all get what they need i'm just one person so getting help from other parts of the community even your school massive well and i think you know you remarked earlier you know i know it sounds cheesy but it doesn't sound cheesy it sounds real right it sounds it sounds you know to belabor not to belabor the word but it sounds authentic and so you know when when we talk about this idea of it takes a village to raise a child. It, it should. Yeah. But we got to make that intentional. And, and your project has done just that, right? Has involved all of these, all of these people from around the community to support the community, you know? And I love that the students are thinking of this as an invest, investment in them when in fact they're investing in others, by way of the Kanata food cupboard, right? Which is a beautiful cycle, right? It's that virtuous cycle that, that, you know, that they see this as an investment in them when they're wanting to help others. And that's what they do with that investment is exactly what we need. Well, let's, right. In, in, in this world, let's right go now. to the classic case, you know, Oh, uh, and I, I, forgive me, do not get mad at me. People who do this. Cause I, I actually fought this for the last 10 years. I have to say is the, the um the food drives and if you if you win the food drive you get a pizza party oh my gosh the flack i got when i said well why don't we just give money like why are we giving disadvantaged people 
cans of food that we never would eat ourselves or you know like and so that that actually started like the conversations like well who's in need and and the kids realize okay can food go we do a food drive well do we run or give let's research what kind of food we're giving those people traditionally and don't get mad at me people are giving out of their hearts and they're trying to do the right thing even canada food cover says still give food they still need food but to to do it for a pizza party or to do it because you know it's the right thing to do and you live in the community they live in that community they're helping people outside their classroom i think drove them harder than i've ever seen kids go for pizza you know what I mean? Because they knew, you know, we within research, we'd read a lot of articles. We debated. We didn't know who we were going to support. But this one was what resonated with them because A, it's in our community. They need us. Canada Food Cupboard, they did a research. It was Ottawa Food Food Bank or Canada Food Cupboard. Well, Canada Food Cupboard doesn't get that much, you know, mentioned because Ottawa Food Bank is massive, massive compared to them. So we wanted to make a difference and, you know, and 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 so but doing it go back to your point without getting anything to be honest they wanted to well we can have a pizza party okay let's do the math how much would the pizza party cost okay that could help one person feed their family for the week okay forget the pizza party. that was quick but it was like <laughs> it was real like okay you know so yeah you're right it, it's uh to have it where they they know they're contributing to something bigger than them and they didn't see it as that they did not they're not doing it for that oh that praise they saw it as the community and everyone investing in them and not seeing that they were investing i'd never saw it that way either so it's a good way of looking at it so i'm wondering what's next maybe for you know made to help ottawa and and maybe loop into that response just thinking about based on what you've learned what's next for mr whiting when it comes to when it comes to facilitating a learning experience these kids are on fire they they want to move on to another project and uh i don't know if we'll be able to do it but uh made to help ottawa these kids want to continue um helping and one of the ideas um that they suggested and what came up with as a class and and voted on was um trying to connect with seniors and um especially affected by covid in the long-term um care homes and so they they want to connect with them somehow and sort of brighten up their days um and one of the ideas to me is the best idea um and this came up last year and I proposed it to the kids this year too, was getting seniors recording their stories. So recording their stories. So engaging with them, asking them questions, recording their stories and publishing them somewhere where others um, can see them. But it, it, then we started talking about what it would look like. And in a conversation with someone at uh, one of the long-term care homes, it, it turned into an idea where 
you would publish them in a in a place into in the long care long term care home where others other people would see them so other elderly people would see them and it would help them connect and one one example was and i know from my grandparents being in a in a home um you know my grandmother was in the secret service but nobody knew that and once i was talking to another lady i was bumped into her and she worked in the secret service so i connected them and they became friends and so that and where connections are vital in those places and so the kids really that resonated with them they can now be uh reporters and sort of connectors so that's something I don't know if we'll finish, but the pro it's isn't it? You told me this, and it's about the process. And I, I said since the beginning, and I gave myself the freedom. We might never sell a mask. We might never ever sell one mask. We might fail completely. And but the process of all this, the Twitter, the kid realizing they have to edit all, all those things. And, and and the girl figuring out that she's good at troubleshooting and she writes a journal. All the all that process is, is worth it. And so that's our no fear. And and if you're a teacher listening to this, and you're on the cusp of doing it, or even if you're not on the cusp, that's that's what resonated with me is just say, hey, we might fail. We probably are. Let's just go for it. And the kids love that. They love that. And I and I always did as a teacher. I remember I had a, a a great coach mentor of mine who always says, tell the kids you'll take the blame and you'll see the freedom, the freedom in the class and the and the, the the culture you develop in your class when you say, I'll take the blame. If it doesn't work, the mask doesn't work, I'll take the blame. Let's just try it. Let's just go for it. So that's where we're at now. For me in the future, I don't think I can go back. I don't think I can go back. I have to, this is amazing to me. And it's the best part is different every year. I know tons of teachers, God bless them. They're probably the way better than me as a teacher. They have their, their posters from seven years ago and they carry around with them every single year and they're all ready to go and they go up on the wall. And I'll be honest, I looked at them and I said, wow, that's amazing. It's so incredible. I've never, I, this I'm proud of. I've never brought one thing from the year before. Zero. I travel light. I travel very light and the kids create everything. And that to me is, I'll continue to do that. But with this, it just gave me, it breathed life into a, a profession, a craft that I'm already in love with. You know, Jason, when we went to the the check presentation to Canada Food Cupboard, you actually made that comment about our goal was, you know, just one person, right? Just one mask. And, uh, you know, I just want to say that it has been uh, inspiring and, and so exciting to watch you and your students um, reach so many more than one person and so many more than one mask. Um, and, uh, you know, it just, it, uh, makes me feel, um, like all of this is worth it when we get to have this conversation and, and encapsulate this story. So thank you so much for 
for spending this time with me. Uh, thank you, and uh, and I, I really appreciate all the the mentorship you gave me, and uh, even connecting me with other mentors like uh, Leslie. Um, it's it's changed the way I see learning and teaching. So I really appreciate this opportunity. So thank you. been listening to the OCDSB XL podcast and my conversation with Jason Whiting about Made to Help Ottawa, a social enterprise that acts as the learning for his grade four class. To hear more stories of what powerful learning can look like, consider exploring our earlier episodes. Also, please share our stories as we endeavor to spotlight learning and the capacity of young people to contribute now to a world in which they seek meaning and connection.